0: welcome back to star wars in a galaxy watching all the star wars we can get our hands on coming at you with regular installment episode number 86 today we are continuing on getting through the bad batch we are looking at episodes two and three of season one we are looking at cut and run and replacements um as always i'm jacob i'm eli and yeah let's uh Let's just get into it. Um...
1: So I want to first say, um, we've had a bit of a wonky schedule recently. We said we were going to be returning weekly, and we are mostly going to be returning weekly. Um, There will not be an episode of In a Galaxy next week, but next week will be the final vacant In a Galaxy week for a while. Um, So here's what we're doing. Um, Jacob, if you don't mind me making this announcement now. No, not at all. um, Episode 88... Um, Not the next episode, but the one after that. Um, We are going to be sitting down with Keith and Kerwin Yard of the great Star Wars podcast, Father, Son, Galaxy. Uh, You should go check out their show. We'll link them in all the episodes leading up to that episode, and of course, that episode itself. Um, And uh, we'll be talking about the mid-season of The Bad Batch, uh, Battlescars, Bounty Lost, and... uh, Battlescars Reunion and Bounty Lost are the three episodes. Um, And that will be coming out, I believe, 3 weeks and then 2 weeks from now will be the ones in between here uh cornered rampage and decommissioned. Uh so that's just to explain a lot of what's going on with us here and then of course Epic Confrontations toward perhaps sometime in November. We don't have a date, but Buck O'Brien versus Jerry Cable will be in November. That's just a bit of scheduling and where we're at because we kind of disappeared off the grid for the last Week or so. I yeah. just want to keep everybody updated. But yeah, let's get into the let's get into the show.
0: Yeah. So we're hoping to be hoping to be more consistent, be able to, to stick to our schedule. Um, yeah. Get the uh, get the get the machine going again. Um,
1: get do some good talking about the Bad Batch and what episodes we have today. Um, so let's dive into our episodes today first in Cut and Run, um, Hunter gets the bad batch to the planet of Salukami um to get help from an old friend the clone deserter Cut LaQuine and his family um Sue, Shea and Jack um they are using the LaQuine's house on Salukami as a place to get their bearings after the crazy events of aftermath um and they start to learn what it means to have Omega as a child caring, like, taking care of with them. Um, then they re- then, uh, Hunter and, uh, later Hunter and, um, Cut go into the newly industrialized Salukamai, into, into, like, where the Imperials have set up camp. Um, it's still being guarded by clone troopers, um, and Cut was planning, uh, to leave the uh, planet of Seleuclide with his family because if he was discovered by the newly formed Empire he would probably be executed for treason um, but they discover that they cannot board a they cannot board a, any freighters off of Seleuclide without a chain code which basically the Empire is registering people with these codes that, um, that can keep track of every single person or Or being or sentient being in the galaxy. Um, This is a new system that the Empire is uh, using. Um, And so in response to that, uh, Tech and Echo managed to forge fake chain codes for them to board. Uh, Hunter's original plan is for Omega to go with the Loquaine family, uh, reasoning that his way of life and the Batch's way of life is too dangerous for Omega to be on uh, sustained. But, uh, Omega rejects that idea, and, uh, in the middle of a firefight, um, while they're trying to get the Havoc Marauder to take off, Omega rejoins the Batch, and they confirm that- that Omega's destiny is with them, and they're her family. As great as the Laquains are, her destiny is with the Bad Batch, and that's how Cut and Run ends. Um. Yeah, I- Cut and Run is a, is a frickin', it's a, it's a weighty episode, I will say, like, it it is crazy to me, like, that, like, Aftermath Cut and Run is a, is a one-two punch of two episodes, like, it, it, it is, it is, I, I will have some problems with The Bad Batch going forward, like, I, there are some episodes I don't like as much as these two, but, but, but but aftermath i already discussed with you i thought was fantastic and cut and run is just like exactly what it needs to be
0: yeah i think cut and run i think cut and run is a fantastic episode um i think as far as kind of um regular season episodes that aren't these huge um kind of event based um intro intros or finales i think is a fantastic episode um you know all about getting off the grid um I really like how it develops the Bad Batch and and Hunter especially and Omega as well. I really like how it gives them gives them more development, gives them more depth. We get to see you know see the the different facets of these characters. Yeah, I think I think it's a fantastically put together episode.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's I'm I'm excited to get into it. So um, where do you want to start with this?
0: Um, I don't know. We could kind of jump in. It, it, there's kind of throughout throughout these episodes we're kind of going to be bouncing um because we've got these sort of two almost three i would say storylines happening at once where we have all these themes and and things we can talk about tied up with omega and the bad batch and then we have Crosshair, and we have um you know crosshairs crosshairs journey um or he is he is kind of the choice or i guess the choice has been made for him almost um to uh to remain on Camino to serve the Empire, um, and then and then also we have this kind of the the growing intrigue, um, of of Camino trying to trying to stay alive and trying to preserve their their contracts and their um, you know their lucrative uh clone contracts um, and you know all that murky stuff with Project warmantle and um and whatnot yeah, um
1: absolutely I will say the the last two plots you mentioned um. Are way more in cut in replacements than in co- That's
0: a good point. They are. So I guess we should jump in. Um, you know, in this episode, uh, with Omega, um, I mean, she is really the centerpiece here. You know, landing on Seleucumai, Omega, she discovers dirt for the first time. She sees plants. I was gonna
1: bring that up. Yeah, I was gonna bring the dirt up. There's that. I remember when I first watched that. The thing I immediately thought of was that Ray line from Force Awakens. I've never seen this much green in the entire galaxy.
0: Yeah, like um, like the way Omega, she's like, "What's this?" And then I can't remember. I think Tech says it's dirt. She says, "That's incredible!" And she's so she's so into the the dirt, and she's never seen it before, and she's never been on a real a real planet teeming with life. That's not just. I mean, all she's known is Camino. You know, rainstorms.
1: The facilities yeah
0: yeah that's all she's known
1: and it reminds me that like like as and, and this is true for all of the clones as omega was like I, she was a medical assistant to nala say she was a clone she was she had this unaltered dna of Django fett yeah what is one element of her that is there but she never got to experience and that's being a kid she never got to be a kid we see this later in the episode when she's playing ball with Shea and Jack where they throw it to her and she and just sails right past her and she's like, what is the point of this? And they go that line, which breaks me every single time. They go, to have fun. <laughs> and
0: it reminds me that
1: there's no fun. Like, there's been no fun for Omega. There's been no, like, she is not unlike, like, even the other Uh people who've gone on hero's journeys in star wars very similar to omega and i'll be bringing up joseph campbell and hero's journey a lot but
0: because
1: <laughs> omega's journey is very similar to anakin and luke and ray and ezra and blah 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 like even compared to them she has not had a lot of fun or her own pure experiences or getting to experience that emotion she, she just
0: definitely <laughs> she definitely hasn't and i think um i think where we see her kind of where she takes her when where she takes control of her own destiny, and 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 begs begs Hunter, um, take me with you. Um, and where we see her, you know, join the Bad Batch, get the hell out of Camino. She kind of does what we as the viewers wish all the clones could do, and that is have an actual life outside of fighting and and dying for the Republic in this kind of predestined very limited life cycle um or at least the one that's been been forced upon them um and i I think in some in some sense that's the bad batch as well i think um are kind of completing omega and the bad batch they're completing the journey that kind of the clones as a whole were making throughout the clone wars where we're seeing them as as people as humans as individuals we see their individuality grow and grow we see them diverge more and more we see people like like um like fives and and what happens to five we see people like cut and what happens to cut um and then to finally break out and to choose something completely different completely outside of what they were programmed to do i think that's what makes that's what makes the Bad batch special it's kind of the um it's the culmination, I think, of the journey that the Clone Wars has been taking us on with the clones.
1: Absolutely. And, and and it's crazy to me that this is the other great thing that I love, which is that in this season, you know, all we see we think all of the clones are these brainwashed, mind controlled, like droids now, because of the inhibitor chips. Yet how many clones do we see in the season make their own decisions? The number is bigger than, than you might think. The answer is eight. The Batch, all four of them, Hunter, Tech, Wrecker, and Echo. Omega, I would count, duh, she's a clone. Um, Crosshair, we will find out later on, of course, will remove his inhibitor chip, and that was a choice he himself made and stayed yeah. loyal to the Empire. And then Rex and Gregor, who we'll see later in the season. And so we have these, you know, we, we have these eight exceptions to this army of, you know, we heard that line um, in uh, clones, 200,000 are ready with more, than, with more than a million more on the way. And then, uh, and we know they were increasing clone production throughout the war. So there are millions and millions of clones. And yet we are, seeing, we, we are focusing on the eight anomalies, yeah. the ones that resisted and made their own choices.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting because throughout the Clone Wars we kind of see the stories of more and more clones introduced, they get more and more individualized. We meet more and more of them as as these individual souls and you know their hopes, their struggles, their fears, their growth. And then all of a sudden I mean literally we we talked about this um we talked about this with um with the um what's the name of the first episode uh aftermath we talked about we talked about this with aftermath um literally visually the clones go back to being you know start that stark uniform black and white shining not a not a spot um on the armor and i think we kind of see how i mean it's all the progress that was made throughout the clone wars for the clones is kind of wiped away and all we're left with are these few Lucky survivors, I'm sorry. Who, who survived this great kind of erasing of the clones' individuality.
1: Absolutely, I, I was wrong. Actually, there was another ninth clone that I just thought of this season that breaks away, and that's Hauser in the ryloth episodes.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. He he makes his own decisions. He chooses his own destiny. But um no, it's it's. I, I absolutely see what your point is. That like again, as you were saying. The we were making all this progress, and this is this is very much like the prequel era. This is not just about the clones. This is about the Jedi. This is about the Republic. This is about a lot of the, that stuff. We were making so much progress, and then it all came to a screeching halt, and then reversed direction quicker than you can say Galactic Empire. Yeah. And this is one of the Bad Batch is one of the only pieces of Star Wars media right now. To deal with the immediate fallout of that.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, yeah. it's, it's. I think that's what makes it. That's what gives the show so much potential. Is we're, it's one of the only places where, on a lot of different levels. We we get the opportunity to see, these burning questions that I I for one have always had about what does it actually look like. What does the fallout look like? Um,
1: you know, we say we've we we say we've gotten a lot of stories in Star Wars about the 19 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. But that's not really true. We've
0: they're gotten, much more-
1: We've gotten a lot of stories um, from 10 years before A New Hope to A New Hope. But those 9 years before that, there's not a lot in there. There's the yeah, no. Darth Vader comic, which I admit is 25 issues, that's a lot. There's the Bad Batch and then there's Fallen Order and that's it.
0: Yeah. I really I, I agree. I think the especially yeah, in the new canon, the young kind of this um this young empire sub era, I guess we could say. This young empire era is really ripe for uh, for more exploration. Um and I think that's that's something that I'm excited about for the Bad Batch going forward and as well that I think was really cool in this season is not just, um, at least for me, I kind of jump to a lot of the world building aspects of, of what that means. Um, this transition, like, Oh, what happens to these ships? How does this work logistically? Pull, pull, what are the What are the big politics looking like? But I think the Bad Batch does a really good job of zeroing in on, you know, a few characters and just just looking at what does this mean on a personal level. And I think that's what makes it really powerful
1: and we and and you know even to your point about the technological um transition we'll see that and that is a that is something else I wrote in my notes for this episode it's a very powerful thing seeing the city uh, we will talk about this later but seeing the city being built on Salukami that wasn't there when we saw it last look how much they were able to do in seemingly probably weeks after order 66 and the rise of the empire
0: i mean do you do you think that that I, I just assume that it was something that we hadn't seen before. Are you do you think there was an implication that it was all constructed that quickly?
1: I mean, actually, I guess it I'm not saying it was all done that. I'm just saying like I could see Salukami having a few towns and villages, but like that wasn't a, that was a, that wasn't a small town. You know, all those impound docks, all of the like like maybe it was a small town or like maybe one of the biggest small towns on Salukami. But I think the Empire did some major, major resumations over there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we say we. Yeah, you're right. We know we see them drop in those, uh, you know, the, the kiosks, the, the impound, lot the walls. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. And, um,
1: and I will say, like, and and just as a continuation of that, um, we like there is that metaphor with technology, and the just you know you plop it down, you solve all your problems in Star Wars but it's never usually that simple. Um, And we see this in Andor with the Aldani arc that we just saw, but the Empire doesn't know the planet of Aldani, uh, and they just put all their technology on it, and it eventually doesn't go well for them. And, you know, we're seeing in very very many ways um, Andor, it's really interesting to be watching Andor at the same time that Bad Batch is coming out because Bad Batch... I feel like plants the seeds of many seeds plants the seeds of many themes we're seeing in Andor and in Rebels and in the like like everything like all the oh the empire never considered this we're seeing why they never considered it we're seeing why they never we're seeing how the system was set up that one day Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa and Han Solo and Mon Mothma will destroy
0: yeah. On all levels that's kind of the potential of the bad batch and what it's already done so far is us being able to see see that change and that transition. Um But with that in mind, where do you want to where do you want to go from here? I think um uh, do you want to talk about the law Queens and and how they they factor into all this? Um
1: Sure. If if you want me to take it from
0: yeah, what do you I was just going to say I that, mean, I know I know you're Sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say as you were probably going to point out that this episode is a very nice coda to my favorite episode of Star Wars the Clone Wars of all time, which is The Deserter. Um and I I hold this episode in a very as a very special place in my heart because I never thought I really didn't think we were ever going to see Cut and his family again.
0: Me neither to be honest. I was I I mean it it was um yeah, it's really amazing to see them back I think in this context they have so much to offer obviously to the Bad Batch, to Omega to the story um, so Eli, I mean I, I commend you, you were right on the money um, every time you sang every time you sang um, every time you sang the deserter's praises you were right on the money because um,
1: it is, they They're bringing it shocking. back yeah it's truly shocking that we get like a coda to that to that episode, which really again, it didn't need it. Um, but now that we've gotten it, it's so much better for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um you know, you know, it's one thing to see Cut as this as this deserter in a time when he's kind of the anomaly. In a time when, oh he he ran off. You know, the other clones they have to struggle with, oh so you can't believe that this guy ran off and they abandoned them and then all of a sudden cut is he is like the model for the other clones and what they're trying to do all of a sudden we go from him being framed as not the bad guy but we go from him his decisions being framed as questionable to to realizing oh well he really made the right um he really made the right choice you know maybe we yeah maybe we shouldn't have given everything to this uh this horrible horrible war that turned out to be um to be to be like a a, a sham basically so that Palpatine could take over
1: there's a there's a like in the deserter i feel like we walk away from the episode viewing cut as somebody who made a different decision than rex and the other clones did but not necessarily a wrong one it's not the like i think rex was like it's not the choice he would have made but he can see how somebody would make that and then I'm just imagining, you know, cuz uh Cut mentions that Rex stopped by a few days ago in this episode. I can just imagine Rex stopping by and being like, "Cut, cut, cut. Let me explain something. You were a fucking genius, man." Yeah. You, yeah. You saw this all coming. I don't know how you did it, man. Tell me all your secrets.
0: Yeah. So I think it's it's easy to forget that it's not just it's not just Cut. It, it it's easy to reduce him when when you say, "Oh, he's the deserter." Cut is not just someone who ran away because he was, he didn't just run away because he was scared. No. He ran away because he wanted his own life that was not completely chosen for him to die in battle.
1: He's, his entire squadron of brothers um, was killed around him on Genosis. And his so that was his entire family, the entire family he grew up with. And so he was like, I need another family. and just putting me in another squadron won't replace that family and i'm tired of having to kill for a living and um you know but but cut makes the the stunning decision to walk away from it all and that's another thing i was going to mention is is, is star is theme of walking away it's a, it's a big thing in animation yeah um it, you know I think of, you know, I I was just thinking myself, I saw this in my notes, I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to talk in my notes about Ahsoka. Um, And I actually, that's not the comparison I made. The comparison I made was Luke and The Last Jedi. Mm. Because both of them, both Luke and Cut, made the decision that, that, that that life of violence wasn't for them. But Cut's is framed as a noble decision and Luke's is framed as a cowardly decision, as a shameful decision. And I was trying to figure out why, when those were basically the same thing, why was one viewed so differently than the other? Yeah. And I realized it's about power. Luke Skywalker was one of the most powerful beings in the universe at the time of the sequel trilogy. He was, he was the Jedi hero that the galaxy needed. And he abandoned the galaxy to suffer under the wrath of the First Order. In the meantime, yeah. cut was one clone in a galaxy of millions of clones. Yeah, there is no universe where the where, where, where I don't think there is a universe where the outcome of the Clone War differs because of cut.
0: Yeah, and I, but I think um, at the same time, I think what's interesting is that what now that you mentioned that I'm realizing cut kind of challenges the Star Wars the main philosophy because you know we're always saying star oh Star Wars it's all about choices you know everyone has the choice to step up everyone has the choice to do their part everyone has a choice to be better um and it, with that rationale I think you know if you look at it through like like the lens of the rebellion you know it's individual people, a lot of normal people just making the choice to you know do something extraordinary, stand up, put yourself in harm's way, Stick your neck out um, for the good of the galaxy because you believe in it, but I think Cut goes the other way, and his story goes the other way because it's saying, "What if the choice is not just to fight?" Because often in Star Wars, the choice is to take up arms and to 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 go into conflict, to go into battle, and use violence. And Cut is kind of saying. What if the choice is to not fight?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, yes, but also I would say that, you know, Cut does fight in The Deserter.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's, you're right. It's about what you're fighting for.
1: It's about what you're fighting That's, for. It's, it's yeah. the Rebels theme. It's it, it's um how do we win against the Sith? Uh, win, the question is how Jedi choose to win. It's yeah. how you choose to fight. It's not if you fight or don't. I mean, it is, but like, it's more about how you choose to fight. Um, and Cut is choosing a the ground that he's fighting on, and b what again, like you said, very very wisely, what he's fighting for. And um, that, that that is one of the great. Those are the two. The, those are the two dynamics of Star Wars: is what, who we're fighting against, and what we're fighting for
0: yeah um, and i think
1: all star wars stories can be broken down into those two things who were against and and who were and who we're fighting for um and, and or
0: what or what we're fighting for
1: yeah or what we're fighting for yeah
0: i uh, i mean that that does make sense you know go back to the jedi you know even though they were making the, they were making the choice to fight they were fighting against the right things you know trying to end slavery and misery in the galaxy but they were they were fighting for the the wrong things at the same time. You know, you think about um, you know they were they were corrupted by the Republic.
1: Absolutely, uh, they lost their way. They um, lost
0: their way. Uh, I've I've done it. I've said the th- I've said the line. Said the thing. <laughs> I've said, said, the said the my thing, favorite kind of
1: line. Favorite. Leo at Leo in um uh once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, yeah. I. No, absolutely, and, um. Do you want to go on to? Uh, let's see what 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 do we have next? I I guess um,
0: I think we can talk about um the incident with the what is, is it the Nexu? Is yeah, that yeah
1: the Nexu the Nexu? Yeah,
0: yeah, I have trouble keeping all of Star Wars's uh wild beasts and their wild names uh all yeah. all. Um, I didn't know
1: Nexus lived on Felucia, not all Felucia, worked Salucami, Salucami, Salucami,
0: Salucami, Salucami. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah because yeah I,
0: that's I another one Felucia. I always get. I get I, Felucia I said, and Silicium confused. I said Felucia,
1: <laughs> and here's why: because the Nexu is one of the three arena beasts, and it's confirmed in Legends and maybe even in Canon that the other, that one of the other ones, the Acolyte, is found on Felucia.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. There's that old, um, there's that old level in um, in the the OG Battlefront too, where that's what you're a clone You're yeah. a clone trooper, and you have to fight um, you have to fight Accolay on Felucia. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this is not the this is not the accolade, and this is not Felicia This is the Nexu, Nexu on, on Salukami. Mm-hmm. A lot of lot of names to keep track of, uh, to keep in order in your head. So. Uh...
1: Yeah. But but yeah. So uh, Omega goes to get the ball, and um, Sue, being the badass she is, um, scares away the Nexu. Um, and um, there's that you know like there's there's that line that I wrote down. Uh, battling droids was easy compared to raising a child.
0: <laughs> that was a, that was a great line.
1: It it, it it is that it it ties into the theme of aftermath of like your main purpose was gone. What the hell are you gonna do now?
0: Yeah. Like, I mean nobody um...
1: no, like like this is the first few episodes. I mean frankly this first season is the Bad Batch having no idea what the fuck they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I think. I, it, it, we see them find some, we see them find a purpose, you know, ish. in, in, um, in Omega ish. Um,
1: I, I, Yeah. Their purpose is to Omega, but like, as far as like what they're actually doing, like it's pretty yeah. varied during the series. They do a whole bunch of things.
0: I think the main one is, uh, we're running away from the empire. Um, but I think, I think Omega kind of is, is going to become their purpose in the bigger picture.
1: Absolutely. Um, and that's the one of the things about like about watching Bad Batch right now is that we don't know where this is going. We don't know the full arc of the journey. Yeah. We know the arc of season one and that tells us a lot, but it doesn't tell us everything.
0: Yeah. But I wanted to talk about um this this scene in particular, um where they drive off the Nexu and then Hunter kind of Hunter uh really harshly berates Omega. He's like, What are you doing? He could have gotten killed why did you go past he's like he's shouting at her she's just she's 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 terrified you know she gets you know a cut ends up carrying her inside um i mean i mean what do you what do you think i think this really kind of this kind of um is is one of those moments where we really get a window into um the the burgeoning relationship between omega and the bad batch and you know all the struggles that are tied up in that mainly with hunter um with hunter you know trying to accept accept omega as a member of the crew accept his responsibility um kind of want wanted or not his responsibility to to caretake for omega um
1: well, I, I think that actually that that's an interesting discussion, and I think that the, these two episodes really pair nicely, but both of them like cover a different side of that discussion is who is Omega in relation to the Bat Batch? Yeah. Because what? I think because here's the thing I don't think that like I know there's a there's a thing with that ties into the Mandalorian about um like that that it's similar to between this and the Mandalorian about Hunter. Um and Wrecker and Tekken Echo being her surrogate fathers, which yes. I actually don't agree with. How so? I think they're they sur- they're her surrogate brothers. Mm. Because again, it it's not because because Rogu can only do stuff because he has the Force. Like he can only really he the only stuff he does is does substantially in the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett so far is through the Force.
0: He could use the Force, and then he has to take a nap.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then he has to take a nap. Omega can make all her decisions for herself.
0: Yeah, we we see that especially in replacements.
1: She doesn't um, need... Like, 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 she needs... Absolutely, she needs guides and teachers, but she doesn't need the oversight that parents do.
0: I mean, I, I disagree to some extent. I think... You know, it's unclear, I think. Um, and we see, we see this a lot in um in in all of star wars you know in in the prequel trilogy with with anakin and obi-wan in rebels with um zeb and ezra and, and kanan and every, pretty much everyone in the ghost group, but you see the sibling like kind of relationship and almost a parental relationship kind of the lines are blurred and i think it's more about found family and caretaking than it is about having these super neatly cut out roles yeah so I, would, I would disagree slightly
1: yeah I, I i understand where you're coming from and i understand that like you know i mean i'm not saying they have to be one or the other i just think that there is a i actually agree with you that the, the rules of them are more nuanced and can't be fit into these these neatly colored boxes but i think that like the idea that they're just that like the hunter's her space dad as I've, I've heard a lot of people say I don't think that covers their relationship accurately.
0: It doesn't, but I think it's the close, given what it's, e- look, it's easy to forget that for all of Omega's precociousness and her sharp intellect and her amazing skills and ability to save the day, she is still only <coughs> pardon me, she's still only 10 when you account for the um the accelerated aging. She's only been in existence for
1: Five years.
0: At this point, like she needs, like she no, needs parrot It's not what it. What is the age?
1: Uh, she, she. I mean, she is ten or eleven, but she's been in the universe for ten years.
0: Is she? Oh, is she not accelerated.
1: She is an unaltered clone of Jen.
0: Oh, okay, scratch that. But
1: yeah. no, in um, any I'm, case, so I remember actually it was revealed in. So it's revealed i don't know if you remember this in the last in i think the second to last episode of the season that she's actually older biologically than all of the batch
0: oh i forgot about that detail oh you're so right all right i retract what i was saying but in any case she's 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 11 let's say emotionally like mentally and emotionally
1: you you have, you have a very good point
0: either way either she's a crazy accelerated 11 year old or she's a regular 11 year old either way She really does need some space parenting. And I think the show is kind of nudging us in the direction of Hunter being the one to most clearly fulfill that role, even though, as we see, especially with Wrecker trying to take on some of that, um, they are trying to make it a collective effort as well.
1: I I freaking love this line um, so much. It's not just ships. They're registering
0: people too oh yeah the chain codes yeah what do you what do you have to say about the chain codes i will
1: say there's another line that echo gives and i remember when this came out and we this we were starting when this episode came out we were starting in a galaxy i remember like being into like that deep analytical stuff and when echo said this i got so mad at him he said that line do you remember that line uh it's ironic clones wanted names instead of numbers yet now people are signing up to be given numbers i'm like stop it echo you're doing our job for us. Stop it! <laughs> not nice. It's not very nice. Leave some for the rest of us. Um but no, it, it is this It is this incredibly elegant um thing that they put in there with the chain code. And especially after um especially after, you know, this is not the first usage of the chain code in Canon. The first usage, of course, was in uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah, and I love how they transitioned this not only to animation, but indeed showed the origin of it in animation. Because this is the first time, because the Mandalorian was the first time a chain code had ever been mentioned in canon. Um, and to have an origin story for that, um, just like it gives a uh, an origin story to a certain character from the Mandalorian, you know which one I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> I do.
1: <laughs> um we will get to that next episode um but uh but yeah i i think that um it it's it's this incredible reminder that the empire is this very like by the like like the rule books mean a lot the the procedures and the Organized way of thinking mean a lot, and they want to be able to treat these people. And this is a, a big theme, also about the Bad Batch, which is the Empire treating people like assets and not like actual people. They're they're yeah. they're no more than chess pieces that need to be moved around to certain places, and it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely. That's what this is all about. There's no there's no individuality. That's the the tyranny of the Empire but also ultimately the Empire's downfall because they just expect they expect everyone to just fall in line and, and, and be grateful, and of course not everyone is going to do that Yeah. And they don't and, really account for that
1: and, and you know, I, I wrote in my notes this is, sometimes I write things and I'm like, wow, I wrote that um uh I, uh, uh the Empire's presi- Transitioning civilians to be what they've treated the clones as for so many years, expendable.
0: They're assets. They want. They want everyone to be an asset directly to the they're, empire.
1: They're. They're an. They're assets. They're tools. They're. Yeah. They're. They're. They're not. They, they're not. They. Uh... You know. There's. There's that scene in. Um... And, and 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 we we'll talk about the scene in repl- in replacements very soon but like i'm thinking about the parallels between ab- a- a- um, aftermath and a- aftermath and replacements and thinking about like you know there's that um there is a when the bad batch does not obey orders on Onderon, and when that one trooper in the replacements doesn't obey orders on Onderon, that is not seen as what is going on inside those troopers' heads. That is, what are we doing wrong with the program? What are What is our programming, you know, to quote episode four of Andor, um, he, the ISB is not a security force. It's a healthcare provider. They diagnose the problem, and then they nurse it back to health.
0: That's a great line.
1: It, wow! Uh, from episode I mean I'm paraphrasing but um from episode 4 Aldani of Yeah. Andor, um but but you know they they will systematically they they will systematically lay out everything they they stand for and everything they're going to do in a certain order and when something does not fit that it's not like oh what's that person thinking it's this is an aberration in our programming that we need to fix.
0: Yeah, I mean we literally see it. They literally are programming. They're literally tweaking Crosshair's brain and programming him to their will. Um,
1: and and you know we see this like even carrying on to the first order. I'm thinking of like, um, there's that there's there's there, there's there's that great exchange in The Force Awakens where um, where Phasma is talking to Hux and she goes, you know, FN two one eight seven uh report uh uh submitted his blaster for inspect. Uh, for inspection was evaluated and sent to reconditioning what the fuck happened to this guy yeah why did that not work (laughs) um and it's the it's the same thing again it's not about seeing people as walking thinking beings it is seeing them about movable transitional transition um movable um replaceable expendable assets
0: Yeah, I mean, that's I think what you're getting at, yeah, is that that's that's the Empire's MO is that they're the Empire, I think, ultimately, this all comes back to the fact that the Empire does not exist. No matter what Palpatine says, no matter what Tarkin says, no matter what anyone says, the Empire does not exist. For the people of the galaxy, the Empire does not exist. Like 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 any empire, um, the Galactic Empire doesn't exist for anyone's benefit. It exists for it exists for the sake of its own glory. Kind of, and and we and we see that here. Um,
1: it it you know, very much. There's a lot of imperial um, era stories about power for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, you we know, kind of see how even though palpatine you know says we're transitioning to the galactic empire for a safe and secure society but really they're just they just want to turn everyone i mean obviously they just they just want to turn everyone into you know an asset a cog in the imperial machine that simply is ultimately these cogs are turning only so that the empire can grow stronger and stronger yeah just for the sake of power because ultimately it comes back to palpatine and the dark side. And
1: what um and what the rebellion era stuff is going to do is 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 people are going to figure out that and they're going to realize that if I just like act like everybody else in this machine and then slowly mess with them then I will destroy the empire with, from within. That's that quote from Andor that was heavily featured in the trailer. Um you know how uh, how how do you do it? How did I um how did I Wear their armor, spit in their clothes, and not—not not, sorry. Um, had I wear their armor, spit in their food, uh, walk their floors, you just walk in like you belong.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a perfect. It's a perfect analogy. Yeah, that's a perfect example. And
1: and, 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 and it is it is very much. There, this is this show is about the the grip of fascism. And the inherent strengths and weaknesses of fascism, how fascism can, can oppress people to an extreme amount, but also how it can be exploited.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, what, al- what else do you have? What else do you have for this episode?
1: Uh, I'll go with. Um, there's this great tension at the end of the episode when they're trying to board. When, when they're trying to get uh, the Laquains to board the shuttle. And it's very much like a. You, you know, they're walking by clones all the time. And they're like, okay, nobody can know who we are. I mean, we all have the same face as them, but like, nobody can figure that out. There's, there's this like, like they have to pretend like everything is completely normal and nothing is going wrong, and the suspense behind that is fantastically executed. Yeah,
0: I I agree. I think it's a, I don't know. I I didn't read in, I didn't see the significance of it as much as you did. I would say, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely well executed. The entire back half of the episode, super compelling. Um, I think Omega, Omega ending up. You know, being the one to um to 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 steal the chain codes and to and to make it out um to make it out when everyone else was pinned down um was a was a really excellent um I thought that was a really excellent twist um and, and I and all I think
1: stuff in this episode fits extremely well with Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey you know there's the rejection of the call because at first the hero, Either the hero doesn't want to take the call to adventure or the mentor doesn't think they're ready. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of a combination of both happens here. Really, actually, no, no, it's really just just Hunter and the Batch doesn't think she belongs with them. Um, But there's that touching line, which is the, I want to be with you, Hunter. Or I want to be with you, Hunter, as she would say which is the I I want to be a Jedi. I want I want to be a I want to go with you to Alderaan and be a Jedi like my father. That is that moment of the show. That the end of this episode is her accepting the call to adventure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think um I th- I would say also it's it's not to me it wasn't so much her accepting the call to adventure. She always has that call to adventure. I think it's it's um and, and, and we see that especially in the, the next episode, as we'll get to, but it's the rest of the Bad Batch. It's the rest of the Bad Batch also accepting her call to venture and accepting that she wants to go out and, and be in danger and wants to help out help out the crew and, and be a part of the team, even though she's, like, 11 or whatever and clearly doesn't really understand what she's actually getting herself into when she pulls some some crazy shit like she uh like she often does um but yeah i mean that's that's all i that's all i have for this episode do you have anything you have anything else
1: uh no i don't think so again this episode is just phenomenal it adds a great coda to the deserter it acts as a great sequel to aftermath as well It it's a really great one-two punch and i I said this later on, but um and uh, um but these 3 episodes to me, Aftermath, Cut and Run, Replacements are very akin to The Mandalorian, The Child and the Sin from the first episode of, for the fir- from the first season of The Mandalorian. And Casa that would be me and Reckoning, the first three episodes of Andor. Um they the, the, that opening trilogy of episodes to really set the foundation of the show on a strong arc is is extremely is, is extremely like like all three are executed extremely well in my opinion, and I like seeing that that precedent be set in Star Wars television specifically.
0: Hmm. What? What? Do you, can you elaborate on that? What do you mean by that?
1: There's very much like in all three of those cases, the world is like the galaxy, what kind of galaxy they're living in is built, but the, but the scope of the galaxy is pretty small to focus on building the characters and building mm. their relationships to each other. Um, and you know, they will eventually return to those dynamics, but first they have to explore the galaxy out there beyond Navarro in The Mandalorian, beyond Kamino in uh, The Bad Batch, beyond Ferex in Andor. Um, and
0: Okay. Yeah, I see. I see.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the, and I like seeing those parallels take place here.
0: Yeah. Um, overall, I will also, I will also Sorry, just say,
1: ahead. I will also just say, um, I had I um watched this episode for the first time on the Galaxy, not here, but for my first theme between themes with um the great Alden Diaz and Tori Fox year uh, around a year ago. Um, they had actually gotten the episode, uh, they gotten screeners of the episode before it came out, so they sent this request to me. Pre- before the episode that come out they were like oh we should watch cut and run i'm like what happens to cut and run and they're like we cannot tell you <laughs> um uh <laughs> and i'm like okay i'll trust you guys and it, they turned out to be very very right on the money with the theme it was actually recovering a theme of found family and um and this episode obviously ties into that theme very very well listen to that episode if you have not already it's it, it's fantastic. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about. I think we talked about. I forget what other fan family. I know we talked about the Mandalorian, the Sin in that episode. I, I forgot the other one. There were three. One, there were three pieces. I think maybe. I think maybe it was Rise of the Old Masters from Rebels, but I'm not sure.
0: I was gonna. Um, I was gonna. I was gonna say you got to talk about. You, you got to talk about Rebels in there. You can't. Yeah, you can't right, not.
1: Rise of the Old Masters. are
0: talking and, about Rise of the Old
1: Masters and Cut and Run, if I if I may. Rise of the Old Masters are, and Cut and Run are remarkably similar as episodes. And I'm not saying that to insult either of them. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, it's Family Reunion. I did Family Reunion and Farewell Part 2 from Rebels with them. That was the third one I did with them. Um, so the conclusion of that journey. Um, so, but, but yeah, um, but like I was gonna say, Rise of the Old Masters and um and Cut and Run are remarkably similar. Kanan and the Bad Batch don't think they can they they can handle Ezra and Omega. So they try yeah. to pass her off to the Lock they try to pass them off to the Lockwains or um Luminara. But Omega wants to stay with the Batch and Luminara is dead, so Kanan is forced to train Ezra. So yeah. the Bad Batch are forced to keep omega this is their destiny whether they like it or not
0: yeah i think the difference is that interestingly omega actually really chooses the chooses um for herself um unlike ezra i think you know obviously ezra is not the happiest about being ditched but at the end of the day omega really actually says um I want to go with you. Um, And and it's it's very interesting to me that even as at such a young age, she is that certain Um, maybe because maybe because she's so young and because she doesn't have much experience outside of Camino, maybe she knows this is what I need, but it's interesting to see how that's going to play out with that in mind. I thought this was a really good episode as well. I really like seeing more of Hunter's emotional journey Um, Omega, you know, joining joining in the crew more um i thought it did a really good job of you know having echo and tech you know work together um in a sticky situation to steal the chain codes helping differentiate them probably helping differentiate the two from one another um despite the fact they have similar roles in regards to you know their skills and talents so yeah good good episode all around
1: a- absolutely um should we go on to replacements
0: we got to talk about replacements in replacements um the bad batch having narrowly escaped on saleucami they are fleeing they are fleeing um through hyperspace their ship um is encountering some problems but it's nothing too bad until um the power fails and they are thrown out of hyperspace and they crash land on an unknown moon um meanwhile back on camino um uh, Tarkin has introduced his his sidekick Admiral Rampart, who has his own project of these recruited clones, or not? Not sorry, these recruited um, recruited non clone soldiers, who Tarkin decides to put to the test by sending Crosshair in charge of these recruits to wipe out Sagarrera's forces on Onderon. Um So they go to do that. Meanwhile, um, meanwhile, on this on this uh, on this moon, um, the Clone Force ninety nine they are bedeviled by these dragon creatures who are who steal a um what do they they steal a um a, a capacitor sometime, they steal a capacitor from they steal a capacitor from the ship. Um, Hunter and Omega go to retrieve the capacitor. Um, and they, they they confront this creature. Hunter's mask is ripped off by the creature, um, and Omega, Omega rescues Hunter, um, but then Hunter is unconscious, and Omega decides bravely and perhaps foolishly to venture into the cave where the creature lives to try and retrieve the capacitor. She actually successfully retrieves the capacitor, finding that the creature was not actually dangerous and murderous, just hungry because it feeds on the energy it feeds on electrical energy so she tosses the creature her flashlight in a smart move and is able to retrieve the capacitor back on Onderon the uh the squad is completing their mission um they they manage to uh they force um they force some of the civilians of of the anduron rebel camp to surrender um and crosshair execute crosshair executes one of them um this causes one of the uh one of the conscripts to uh to try and instigate a mutiny because he thinks it is wrong however crosshair kills him um and says that once again good soldiers follow orders um they execute the rest of they execute the rest of the um the prisoners and they return triumphant to camino where um grand moff tarkin or i guess moff tarkin at this point uh mistakenly attributes their success to the fact that um it was not clones but uh conscripted soldiers on the mission and says to rampart that for now they will they will continue um using the clones until the time is right when they will switch to conscripted soldiers that is the episode I oh know. and at the very and at the very end hunter or um wrecker gives omega her own room uh kind of completing her journey to becoming a, a full-fledged member of the clone force 99 family
1: I was also gonna say that um, the Kaminoans, uh Nalase and Su would go. Whoa, <laughs> we see what yeah,
0: you're they, doing. Yeah, they, here. yeah, they realize they're in deep shit, um, and they basically have a mysterious, brooding conversation, basically saying we got to do something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's so much about this episode, but I want to talk about after they crash, and they mention. Um, Omega's trying to find the capacitor on the ship and she accidentally picks up Crosshair's weapon kit. And they all stare at her when she does that. The rest of the batch stare at her and they're kind of they kind of dance around the subject. Uh, Tech and Omega both try to convince the other three that it really was the inhibitor chip and not Crosshair. Um, But it, it, it's, it's very much like and, and there's um, and we get this line from Hunter later when they're trying to go find the, the Order Moon Moondragon that stole their capacitor Omega says to him, don't blame Crosshair It is not. it wasn't completely his fault and Hunter says I'm not, I blame myself I blame myself for leaving him behind um, and we'll see those tensions rise and fall throughout the arc, in various ways, and throughout the season in various ways. And I like that it's being set up here that they left one of their own men behind.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, it's it's a it's for sure an interesting conflict. Um, and you know, someone like Hunter, um, you know, being the being the leader that he is, feeling. The weight of the responsibilities that he does would blame himself, but it, I I think he really can't, and it, it's just interesting also to see how quickly Omega is able to to pull that out of him, um, and kind of kind of guide him into admitting that and into realizing that. I think that's quite cool as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It, it it's this incredible and 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 again that that's the other thing like, and this is very much um not just about Omega, it's mostly about the era they're living in Um, but like, they didn't have to worry about any of their feelings in the Clone Wars blow it up uh, blow up the bad guys win the battle, move on to the next one
0: yeah, but But it's it's different now they They need to
1: but the galaxy doesn't have that straightforward of a purpose now for them so they cannot afford to do that anymore
0: they need. They need to have a set direction. They need to have a sense of a sense of purpose. They need to have a sense of where we're we going. Why are oh. they need to have a sense of why are we doing what we're doing? Who because we? that was always the why was always given to them in the past, and now they need to find it for themselves. Which yeah. I think is one of the really interesting things it, it, about it the is, Bad Batch.
1: It is. It is the it is one of the as we've said the, one of the prime themes of this uh, of this season um and you know there's um yeah and i also this is just a fun thing i realized you know as soon as they lose crosshair they gain omega in aftermath yeah and i realized in this episode that that means like very much crosshair was the cynical pragmatic one of them and omega is very much the opposite but you would expect the opposite in this in this era of grim darkness. You'd expect them to lose the hope and optimism and gain the pessimism and snark and cynicism. But it's actually the opposite. They lose the cynicism and the pessimism and they gain the hope and the optimism, which in this era is really interesting because hope and optimism is not in very many places.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's because, you know, they're kind of they're kind of finding their way and they're making their own path for themselves, and they're finding themselves outside of outside of their kind of um, outside of their narrow existence as soldiers of the Republic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, there's there's, there's 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 a lot of great stuff going on in replacements. One of my favorite things about it, and I, I will I will probably use this more, but with the Crosshair beeline story. I love that so much because it is the dark inverse of of that part of Aftermath. We are replaying the same story again, but this time Crosshair is in charge, crosshair is the main character, and Crosshair makes makes all the decisions. It, yeah, absolutely. They're the inverse of each other.
0: Yeah. They very much are, um, and I, I really like one thing that I liked about this episode. And one thing that we can talk about is how we get to see more of Crosshair's perspective, and he's not just he's not just the villain, but we see how he is also hurting, and he is also, you know, struggling to find his way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And I, I also like I also pointed out in my notes how that compared with Omega. Omega and Crosshair, I believe, in this season are the like. Like, again, I'm not saying they, they are, they have this, like Rey and Ben do, but, uh, in the sequel trilogy, but they are the dyad of this, <laughs> like, thematically, story-wise, they are the dyad, they are the exact inverses of each other, they're playing out, their like, Omegas is an arc of gaining a family, and Crosshairs is an arc of losing a family.
0: Yeah, that that's true. Omegas I mean...
1: is an arc of fleeing the system, and Crosshairs is an arc of embracing the system. Uh,
0: I mean this episode was literally called Replacements you could see that as the Omega Literally rep- Taking Crosshair's place In and, the Bad Batch
1: And cr- and the recruited soldiers taking the place Of the yeah. Bad Batch and the Clone Soldiers
0: I mean we literally see um, You know right at the end If since we can if, we, if we'll, Let me just jump into Crosshair right now since we're not right. really doing this one chronologically but you know at the end we have this very very poignant scene we have Crosshair sitting there kind of kind of brooding and we we see him you know feeling his feelings as um the recruits settle into the beds that were once occupied by his brothers
1: and and we also see this is my favorite part of that scene which is we see Crosshair passes by the tick mark wall where they yeah. cross out every And, you know, he doesn't do anything, and and, and we hear the like a haunting version of the Bad Batch theme, dun, 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 dun. And we realize in that moment that Crosshair's family is gone. He's doing the same, he's getting everything he ever wanted, but not with the people he wanted to do it with.
0: Yeah, and I think he really, in that moment, we can see him kind of really feel what he's lost. I really really realize how he's lost that family. I've never
1: seen so much emotion in a blank stare. It is the oh shit this is what I've gotten myself into.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's such a great moment I think for a character who so easily could just be you know, he could just be this callous villain, but they really the creators really take the take the time and 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 take those take that extra little bit of effort, you know, really show us, really show us a little bit more, and I, and I appreciate that a lot.
1: Absolutely, um, let's see, what else, um, I think we should also talk, and this is again about the, um, the, 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 the Empire part of the storyline, but I really love the, um, I want to talk about War Mantle. I want to talk about Mm. War Mantle, which was a throwaway line in Rogue One. Jin says that for two seconds in Rogue One. And, again, like people have have often talked about the best ways the story group has used canon. This should be in the top five best ways the story group has (laughs) has melded canon and story together. Really? One reference into, into an entire season, like into the basis of this entire season of television. Um, we've, it's revealed that Project War Mantle is the Imperial top secret project of how they're transitioning their military forces from all clones to all Stormtroopers, which is an interesting thing, and I I also like this because, you know, there's often, like, people who are more casual Star Wars fans will get confused, and they'll ask people like me or you or other hardcore fans, you know, (laughs) wait, aren't the Stormtroopers clones? And then we have to go. No, they're not. And and you know, often we have to reference like Legends stuff or expanded uh, or or books or comics from canon or books to comics from Legends and all that kind of stuff. This is the most mainstream and simple example. No, they were f- the clones were phased out, and now the stormtroopers are just regular people. And I yeah. like how it clears up that inconsistency with a really great story, in there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think um there's a lot to be said in this episode about the fact that they they decide to switch over, the fact that Tarkin makes that call. Um and I think it in terms of looking at the Empire, looking at the Empire as a whole, we see um we see um Rampart and and his kind of I mean he's clearly already incredibly invested in the idea of conscripted soldiers because he thinks that their loyalty and their resolve will be superior since they made the conscious choice to join. Um, Obviously that doesn't end up playing out as he imagines. I think, um, I think he maybe has a, a, let's just say a slightly deluded view of how, of how most people would end up viewing the empire or how, um, or how how people how many people would actually be willing to basically sign up for what the clones did um and you know he's going to realize eventually you know maybe there's a reason why the republic had to um maybe there's a reason why the republic had to actually use these these clones who were bred for this purpose who had no choice
1: yeah absolutely and there's <laughs> Uh, there, there's there's just a lot of great nuances in this storyline, um, and like there's a um. I, I feel like we should just get to this. Do we want to talk about the Camino scene?
0: Uh, yeah. I think yeah. I, I thought I thought this was one of the best scenes. Um, yeah. it made me really excited. You know, I always love. I love the political intrigue aspects. I love scenes like this. Um,
1: I remember... You know,
0: the um, next phase. Yeah. I remember the equipment, when, yeah.
1: I remember when this was coming out. I remember a lot of people had this theory, and um, the popular theory was that the Kaminoans were going to... This whole Kaminoan subplot was going to build to a... A, a clone insurrection, a Kaminoan and clone insurrection against the Empire that would fail and be put down. And obviously that did not happen in season one. And I remember that every single week people would be like, oh, that's what they're doing. Oh, that's what they're doing. And it's so interesting to watch all the clues be placed down now and know that that's not what they did. And they chose a different route. And again, I'm not saying that they place these clues down and they didn't deliver on the clues they did just not in the way any of us were thinking
0: yeah yeah that's true um i was very interested by um you know Lama sue um you know she says the clones plural the clones needed to be this yeah. direct source will not return willingly yeah. but if it's not just omega who they need in specific couldn't it be any of the bad batch couldn't it be crosshair so i, I was a little bit confused by that um a- what, what, what did you think of that
1: and and that is that is extremely confusing and i don't think they're referring to the bad batch really i don't i do think they're referring to omega um do
0: you think there are more clones like omega or we know what of else could we be
1: like omega yes which is... An unaltered clone of Django Fett roaming around the galaxy.
0: Oh. Oh, Boba Fett! Wow. I mean, Boba's long gone at that point. uh, He went all the way down the bounty hunting rabbit hole by this point in the the Clone Wars. You're
1: not gonna get Boba Fett to come back to Kamino with a ten-foot... like. You're not gonna get Boba Fett to come within a ten-foot pole of Kamino. Um... And I think that's I think what they mean. And this is my best guess on what the dialogue was trying to hint at was, we got to get at least one of them back here. We're not touching Boba with a ten foot pole,
0: so maybe I we can get. I guess it is Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot about. Wow. <laughs> that 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 is an excellent. Wow. That is an excellent piece of the puzzle. I did not even realize how that factored into it. That is. That is really and, fantastic, And, and
1: the wow. reason I, I figured this out is because they said in the last episode of, I think in the, the second to last or last episode, you know, Omega is the unaltered un, un, un clone of Jango Fett. Um, and they call her Omega because she is the last one that was created. And they call the beginning one, the first one that was created, Alpha. But he changed his name to Boba because his father wanted his name to be Boba. But his official Camino and codename Boba Fett was Alpha because he was the first... Wow. Clone.
0: I mean, it's all right there. I don't know why I didn't see it earlier, but uh, it is. Yeah, it's all right there. Um,
1: it, it it's it's um it, it it's it's interesting to see how that ties into stuff, and I really hope that um, like I don't know if we'll we'll ever build to this, and um, uh, in live action or animation but if we get to the end of the bad batch and the end of the mandoverse and um like the mandoverse i i'm calling like the mandalorian related shows um yeah. and we don't see boba and omega meet th- that that that's a wasted opportunity right there i i think we should have the because they're basically the closest thing thing things that either of them have to siblings because they share the same DNA.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think it's pretty crazy to imagine I mean I mean, Omega is kind of a polar opposite from Boba in many ways, you know, Boba, especially this young Boba, you know young Boba, he's he's mean, he's angry, he's got a chip on his shoulder, um, he's ruthless. And then Omega, I mean, she's she's kind she's sweet she's pleasant she's very insightful um but at the end of the day i mean when you look at how when you look at how much of an ass kicker young bobo was at a young age and how crazy omega goes in these episodes it's 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 easy to see it's easy to see that connection it's it's right there
1: absolutely and um so before we uh, come to a close here, let's talk briefly about that A-plot, the the Ordo Moon Dragon. Oh, okay. And it's an interesting plot. I, I gotta say, it's Replacements is the weakest of these three for me. No offense to it. I think it's a great episode, but I but it doesn't hit the same it doesn't reach the same heights that Aftermath and Cut and Run do. Um But uh, this 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 Order of Moon Dragon plot is interesting because I one one of the things I love is is it reminds me of that Obi Wan Kenobi fight not Kenobi fight not uh Obi Wan Kenobi quote from New Hope. Uh, you can't win, but there are alternatives to fighting. Because notice that you know Omega after Hunter's knocked out, Omega grabs his blaster, heads in to face the Order of Moon Dragon. She never fires a shot.
0: Yeah, she's, yeah, she realizes, obviously she's smart enough to know that violence should be the last resort, and, yeah, she, it's hard to imagine any of the other Batch members being in there and not just going for the kill.
1: I, I was but, gonna, I actually wrote that in my yeah. notes as well, I was gonna mention that too. It's hard to imagine that had Hunter specifically, because he was the other one out there, gone in, I don't think the same thing would have happened. I think the Ordo Moon Dragon would be dead. and I I think it would just be another kill for Hunter yeah Omega Omega didn't even have to say a word to it
0: yeah
1: Omega just had to observe its behavior watch what it did and and, and notice some crucial things about it which she did again that's another thing I love about that scene with Omega and the Order of Moon Dragon is that she doesn't even say anything to it. There's no dialogue in that entire scene, unless yeah, you count, she just, like, unless you count Hunter yelling "Omega, Omega" from above.
0: No, um, she just yeah, she just intuits her way through it. It's really yeah, cool.
1: It, 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 Star Wars has a history with visual storytelling, and it, it really does that justice here. I think. Yeah. Um,
0: I think I'm a big fan of this this a plot. I think, um, because I I think over these three episodes, this is really the beginning of. as this is the beginning of omega's journey um obviously she has a long way to go but i think that her her triumph with the order of moon dragon is kind of the culmination of her or it's a big part of her integration into the bad batch crew into the bad batch family more importantly as a member of this family where she she makes the choice to go with them um she makes the choice to go with them. She makes the choice not to go with the Law Quains. Um throughout this episode, we see Hunter as we see Hunter and Wrecker, especially, you know, the scene with the food, with Wrecker yelling, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, and then looking over at Omega and saying, We're gonna be all right. You know, seeing them struggle to adjust to having a child on board, having her as a member of the crew. The fact that the fact that none of them really, really put up a fight when Omega says, I'm part of the crew, I want to come too, Put her, She wants to put herself out in harm's way to to help out, uh, to help out her brothers, um, and then and then you have her stepping up, um, completing completing a big objective for the Bad Batch. She steps up and she puts her she puts her own stamp on it and she does it in her own way, and I think that's something that symbolically is very important for her as a member of the crew because they all kind of have their unique thing and as yeah as just herself growing up in the galaxy at large i think it's a very cool moment
1: absolutely she gets to prove her worth in a in not that crazy of a major but important way to the crew and it's it and i think that's what this episode accomplishes very well um do you got anything else or should we wrap up for today
0: Uh, what do you think about, um, I mean, obviously we have, um, the B plot. I think we could touch on that a little bit, um, you know, Tarkin and, um, it's, our. you could, I think Tarkin makes the wrong call here because he doesn't have all the information. You know, he, he sees. One of the uh, one of the um, recruits has not returned from the mission. He's he just assumes that they were killed in the line of battle. He doesn't ask questions, and that leads him to say, "Okay, to hell with cloning. We're gonna do conscripts."
1: Yes, but I and I also think here's the thing. Do I see where you're going, coming from with that? Yes, I do. But I actually think that in terms of just like shrewd like cunningness, I think actually they did make the right decision for for war mantle in favor of cloning and and one of the reasons I think they really wanted to do the war mantle stuff really is because it's cheaper.
0: I mean yeah he does say he does immediately after that say the cloning system is like what what does he call it? He calls it a cost prohibitive relic or something. Yeah. So like he he, right. he probably had his mind made up to be honest. I mean it's not hard to see, you know, someone like Tarkin. We know Tarkin. He would definitely be seduced by the idea that all these people lining up, putting themselves on the line, choosing to prove their loyalty to the Empire. Like, the glory that that could reflect on the Empire, I think, is too seductive for and him.
1: We did an entire episode of The Clone Wars about ordering five million more clone troopers. Yeah. Which, in the scale of the galaxy, is actually not that many. But yeah. it was going to plunge the Republic into a fiscal yeah. crisis they do 5 million more clone troopers at that time
0: to quote uh to quote uh moff jedred "I need more men
1: yeah they they they, <laughs> they, they need,
0: need they more, need more people they need, they need more, more bodies and they
1: need and they and they cannot pay that much for person
0: yeah so i think i think there may be more to it than that you're absolutely right um and then one last thing yeah any thoughts on the uh the heartwarming, the heartwarming scene at the very end where Omega gets her own room.
1: I I love that scene. It's, it's one, again, it's, I I think those, the Bad Batch is, 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 has a real knack for having scenes that didn't need to be in there, but now that they are in there, we were so much for the better. And that is, that is example 1A for that. Like, we didn't, like, that wasn't important to the story, but having that emotional moment for Omega to feel like she has a family That she's valued as a person Not just as an asset Like she was on Camino, Is, is extremely It's extremely touching and it just works
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree She's so happy She's like, I never had my own room I, I think it's, uh, again Going back to the theme that we've We've touched on a lot It's a big step for her as, you know Joining joining to be a member of the crew As Hunter says, you know, you're you're one of us now You need to have your own room um i mean yeah star wars is all about family sometimes it's the one you get more often it's it's the one you find and the one that you choose and that's exactly what we see here um
1: absolutely yeah
0: and i think it's the ultimate i think this is kind of the ultimate the ultimate goal of the clones, uh, or of the collective journey of the clones in the Clone Wars, it's so sad that so few of these beloved characters get to this point, but they get to the point where, not only do they claim their individuality, they get to choose their own purpose and choose their own path in life and we see the Bad Batch choosing to be a family here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. A- a- abs- a- there's, there's, there, It's, a, It's a lot of that, and I think that Again, these are great foundational episodes for the Bad Batch. These are these are great ones to build the structure that the next twelve or so episodes, thirteen, thirteen episodes will build upon.
0: That's a good um, way to put it. Yeah,
1: and I'm I'm excited to to deal more with that stuff. Um, but uh, I think that's gonna be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, next time on Star Wars in a Galaxy, we'll be doing the fourth, fifth, and sixth episodes. Of Star Wars: The Bad Batch, cornered, rampage, and decommissioned. Um, those are our next. Uh, so, or as I call them, the Fennec Shand one, the Rancor one, and the Trace and Rafa one. Um, where the Trace and Rafa one is is where we find out that there's there's this moment in in actually in replacements where um, Wrecker hurt his head. I'm sure that's nothing though. Um, yeah, that, that's, that, that doesn't that doesn't have to do with anything. Yeah. but we'll oh, see. Oh, it's th- it's
0: nothing. It's absolutely nothing that he's he's repeatedly complained about it and rubbing it in the exact spot where his inhibitor chip is. I'm sure that's what nothing. Inhibitor
1: chip. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> um. Anyway, but until then, um, we'll leave on we'll leave on what inhibitor chip. Um. Uh, and, until then, follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, you can listen to us on, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we will be there. If we're not, email us at, at, at email us, swinagalaxy at gmail.com, um, follow my personal account on Twitter and TikTok now. I am now on TikTok. Oh, exciting. 327 Yeah, I've been doing some, some Star Wars TikToks on there, um, just when I have the time, uh, which Star Wars character am I? Apparently TikTok thinks I'm Darth Vader. Um. <laughs> Which, is, which was very reassuring to me when I found that out. That was, that was very cool. Uh, thank you, TikTok. Um, uh, also, follow our trivia show at In a Galaxy Trivia on Twitter and on the Star Wars In a Galaxy YouTube channel. Epic Convertations, it'll be returning um, in, uh, in November. Buck O'Brien versus Jerry Cable. Very excited about that match. Um, and in the meantime, I think all there is left to say is may the Force be with you. Always. Always.